Why must the Ute fight against itself? A question I ask myself often. Welcome to Ghost Town, people. It's Sunday. I'm excited to be here. Decided to uh, do a little theme. Wrap up the year appropriately. I won't be here next week. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. I'll see you in 2017. All that good stuff that people like to say. I'll go along with that. Why the heck not? If it keeps things flowing. All right. It's the best of 2016. Today, I'm doing a jukebox mix of tracks that I've selected from uh, artists that I've spotlighted and that have visited Ghost Town uh, since uh, September when I, or I'm sorry, the end of August when I uh, debuted. So uh, this is a, a recap of that. Hope you enjoy. I'm going to kick it off with some ferociousness. And you're listening to WRFN LP Pasquo. I'm Creepy Steve. I got some stooges for you right after this message. Iggy Pop is considered to be the originator of what is called punk rock today. Iggy and the Stooges. I want a lot out of life and I want a lot out of an audience. There goes Iggy right into the crowd. Bob, I've never seen anything like this before. An act of the new generation. There was something to Jimmy that I hadn't seen in rock and roll. Makeup and costumes were bizarre. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. Their influence was tremendous. He never sold out. He's indestructible in that way. And if any punk rock, I don't know what is. Eggy wanted to do something that was totally different. The reason I was really in it was to try to create a type of music that could explode me like a rocket out of the type of life that I, was planned for me. He wanted to start a band with my brother and myself. All right! Now look out. Music. 
on McDougal Street. He came up to me and said, hey, uh, I hear you play um, bass. Wait a minute, that's not how it started. It started when I met, um, no, no, no. you liar. I met no, Arthur no, on no, McDougal. No, no, that's not how it started. It started all back in, in good old Queens. Can I have a cigarette now? Listen, why don't you guys tell the story? I'll sleep. Johnny was lead singer, lead guitarist. Everybody makes the band with it. Uh, I don't know. What, 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 nah, so wasn't in it. Rick Rivers got uh, too lazy, so we got him. Yeah, Rick Rivers refused to show up for rehearsal. And then I couldn't I sing anymore. My voice, my voice went, you know, it didn't last too long, you know. I was really young and I couldn't sing. Now I could sing. And we got David. Well, how'd you find David? How well? Billy found David. Billy found David, you know. We used to know David, you know, we used to see each other all the time. And, you know, we used to never talk to each other. I never knew he was a singer, so Billy brought him over to my house. And uh, I said, I said, you a singer? I didn't know you were a singer. He said, you're a guitar player. And that's what we did. I didn't know you were a guitar player. And then how'd you find Sil? Sil, uh, we knew, so me and Sil, me, Sil and Billy used to be in a band. I was the bass player and they kicked me out. So I hated those guys. I hated them. <laughs> they kicked me out because I was a creep. And then how did Jerry came to the through What? Through David? Jerry? Yeah. Oh, we knew Jerry. I knew Jerry for years. So you all knew, we all knew each other, Jerry. like, from the same neighborhood? Well, we, no, like, we didn't know each other. We all, like, just, like... We knew each other just... But we never talked to each other. We were too snobby visual, to talk to each other. Just yeah. visually. Always checking each other out. <laughs> hey, man, where'd you get those vines? I mean, Jerry used to check us all out.
Demo, it was but yeah, with Roadrunner and all. Yeah, it came out in about '76, and I was already into much different stuff by the time I first didn't. I didn't. I said, oh, you know, the guy who bought the tapes, you know, said, uh, can we release this stuff? Because uh, he ran Berserker Records, and I was recording for them. And I said, I guess if you want to, I'm not thrilled with the idea because I didn't even consider it my first record. To me, it was just a bunch of demo tapes. But I said, oh, okay. So, yeah, he released all those things, which were to me just old history. I like some of it okay. You know, it's better than a lot of my other records. I wasn't good in a recording studio. I'm not always sure how good I am in a recording studio to this day. I didn't. But it had some good stuff on it. It had some good stuff. You know, see, I, didn't ever, I never heard of this idea of takes. You know, you did a song, and that was it. Then the producer would say, Okay, do it again. I said, do it again? You know, what? Eat pizza for lunch. That's over. Someone says, okay, we're going to have take two and eat another pizza again. No, you already ate lunch. Well, she was sensitive. She understood me. She understood the European things.
she cracked. That's Jonathan Richmond and his Modern Lovers. Uh, the 1976 release, their subtitled album, the classic album that was actually recorded in 1972 and was shelved until 76 when uh, it was bought out by, well, they paid him. Uh, I guess they being a record label decided to release it in independent. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Richmond was on to different things then. It was interesting. Um, so it, it, it moved a lot of people, and it was just completely posthumous to the band's existence, at least uh, at the original or that classic lineup. Um, but that's interesting stuff there. So that's The Modern Lover. She Cracked is the title. And also in there, The New York Dolls from 1973, their self-titled album. Jet Boy was the track. And kicking off the show, Iggy Pop. The Stooges from 1970, their second album, Funhouse, You Heard Loose. All right, it's the best of 2016. Also want to let you know I've got a SoundCloud up now, Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. Search it on SoundCloud.com. That's Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. And also I'm up on the Facebook and the Instagram now. So check it, check it out. Would love some support and some following there. It gives me the juice I need to get loose. All right. Let's get into some uh, female action out of New York City. The Queen herself after this. The music industry was incredibly sexist and so old-fashioned when punk started. Women in rock up to that point had been backing singers. When the female bands came along, they just they didn't know what to do with them. They thought that they were silly, they were threatened by them. But we were very aggressive and they were threatened by that. When you're in a punk gig and you're pogoing, you're getting pushed about whether you're a boy or a girl. You want to dress tough, you have to be tough. Punk just opened up this whole avenue for being a bad girl, wearing what you wanted, being able to look ugly. You could go out of your way to uglyfy yourself and that would be beautiful in itself. People were more interested in you because you looked interesting and imaginative. You would be interesting and open and free-minded. It's about being really inventive and creative and not feeling that you were restricted by your sex. And that helped women in music no end. We're in it all together. You know, we're not in it at all. The first stirrings of a sea of change for women were coming from across the Atlantic. Emerging from a scene centred around the seedy CBGB's club in New York, the self-possessed and seminal Patti Smith was leading the way. When I saw Patti Smith play for the first time, it was like, you know, seeing gods. I'd never seen a, a, a woman actually in a rock band before. I didn't think of it as a woman, as a bloke, as anything other than this fantastic, eerie voice. She'd have to be my favourite. When it came to performance, she used her ideas and her words and her lyrics like this shaman who just conjured this mental energy up. She jumped around, jumped into the audience. She did things, maybe copying Iggy Pop and stuff we hadn't really seen and certainly hadn't ever seen a girl do. She was exciting, she was, she was creating a kind of revolutionary feel in her music. She's been called Godmother of Grunge, and I think there was something about her image that, that was very punk, it was very androgynous. 
you almost fancied her like you would a bloke because she was so um, sexy and charismatic. She pulled her hair back into a ponytail and you were so self-conscious in those days as a woman and you would never do anything like to scrape your hair back into a ponytail when you were on stage, when you were the star. She was hugely influential on all the women um, punk singers. She is still the most amazing woman performer I've ever seen. She's really special and unique and in a, in a category of her own.
like a face. The mystery of childbirth, childhood itself, grave visitations. What is it that caused us? Why must we pray screaming? Why must not death be redefined? We shut our eyes, we stretch out our arms and whirl on a pane of glass. An asphyxiation, a fix on anything. The line of life, the limb of a tree, the hands of he, and the promise that she is blessed among women. I spent every night at Max's Kansas City. I met a guy named Terry Ork, and he was very socialist, anarchist. He wanted to cause a scene, have a band. One day he said to me, because he, he worked at Cinemabilia during the daytime, which sold movie posters and uh, stills. Richard Hell, or Richard Myers, work there. Tom used to come by and go out with Richard for lunch. So Terry knew through Richard that Tom was a guitarist and uh, Tom was going to go play at a, a audition night at some, this place called Reno Sweeney's. And we went up and we met Richard Myers and his girlfriend were there. We all came in together, we took a table. Tom kind of came in the doorway lugging a guitar and an amp and Richard jumped off the table and went and helped him carry his amp and uh, guitar and then took him aside and said you don't look right and tore his t-shirt and Tom did three songs so I turned to Terry and I said listen he's got something but he's missing something what he's missing I've got and I know I'm missing something. What I'm missing, he's got. Put the two of us together, you'll have the band you want. Terry talked to Richard, Richard talked to Tom. Tom and Richard came down to Chinatown. Uh, we passed the guitar back and forth, you know, and uh, then Tom and Richard went off and whispered a while and came back and said, okay, let's try it.
Recording until '77. But, but you started out as sort of like a, a punk band, they said uh, at one times. But uh, why do you feel funny about that? Um, well, because we were going in '74 before any of that ever started, mm. and uh, we were very aggressive in our stance because the music business then was like a, a very closed door. It's like steel gates, and you had to really hit your head against it to break the doors down mm. and get any sort of get any uh, uh, recording interest mm. in, in there at all. It's totally different now of course.
1977 Radis Norvegicus album. That's the Stranglers out of the UK. Also in there, Friction by Television. That was off the 1977 release Marquee Moon. And uh, you heard uh, the Patti Smith group started it off from 1979's Wave LP Dancing Barefoot. That was a good set there. And uh, you know what? I'm going to waste no more time. I just want to remind you again, Creepy Steve is on SoundCloud. Get on SoundCloud.com and search Ghost Town with Creepy Steve, and you'll find me. I'm creeping along, creeping along the internets. And I've got all my archived uh, shows up there, too, for you to uh, check out, listen, and even possibly download if you're lucky. Go check it out. Go check it out. You're right in the heart of uh, Ghost Town. I'm going to keep it going. This is the best of 2016, the culmination of uh, tracks and interview footage that I've uh, played since late August when I debuted. The next one we've got here, oh yeah, this is a classic. Actually, this was, uh, these guys I played on my very first show. 
This is from 1978. All Mod Cons is the album. Down in the tube station at midnight. Folks, it's the jam. Have I no way to eat a cheap holiday? A two 
Uh, who and what were the Bromley contingent? I believe you said there was no such thing. We didn't call ourselves the Bromley contingent. It was um, a title or a, a tag that was put on us by certain music people, press, journalists, that saw us and friends that we knew going to the early Pistol gigs and other events in London that didn't have a big audience. For some reason, they thought we all came from Bromley. It's just Steve that comes from Bromley. And we were called the Bromley Contingent. So no real significance behind no. that particular title? No, not at all. In September 76, you played on the Bill of the Hundred Club Punk Festival. The lineup of the band then was yourself, Steve, Sid Vicious and Marco Peroni, now of Adam Ant fame, of course, who apparently was the only one who had played in a band before. Can you tell me a bit about that gig? The worst player at the gig was Marco because he had played before. <laughs> so it didn't fit in with us that well. It was another, another adventure. It was a very um, special event. And um, when you think that a lot of bands rehearse, invite record company people down to see them, they work really hard and their first gig is usually like teething problems or something. We created a very strong impact from that one-off gig that was just thrown together literally. And we were infamous from that day onwards.
Feeling betrayed by contemporary music, the sounds inside their heads were revolutionary. Energy, aggression and simplicity. To many it seemed harsh and tuneless. It would later be called punk rock. Everybody that was involved with that movement, and certainly myself, and I think probably Peter and the rest of Buzzcocks, was that you, were, you didn't think you were going to be around very long. You didn't think you were going to make another record. You didn't really know that you were going to play another concert. And therefore, <laughs> in a way, uh, you had to do it fast. And you had to do it as directly, as directly as you could. Well, in some ways it was in opposition and we were glad about that because we didn't want to be the same as everybody else. But also it was different because, because we were different. And, um, it, it just seemed to arise from the things that we were doing. Uh, that we had this feeling between us that we wanted to do something which was entertaining and exciting and actually meant something. I thought of it as an attack, but not... Uh in any straightforward, upfront, uh, I'll show you my fists, man, sort of thing. Uh, it was just an attempt to uh, step sideways and shadow box with a few phantoms or something. The fight begins on July 20th, 1976, at Manchester's Lesser Free Trade Hall. Shelley and Devoto on stage for the first time. They have now added a Stratford schoolboy on drums, John Marr, and on bass, Steve Diggle, unemployed from Oldham.
the Buzzcocks. Moving away from the pulse beat, that's from the the Peel Sessions recorded between the years of 1977 and 1979. The, uh, the album compilation was released in 1989. Um, there are some great tracks on there from the Buzzcocks. Um, I think three sessions are what those were pulled from. They spent a lot of time with John Peel in his uh, BBC One studio, um, and it did them uh, a lot of good, too. A lot of promotion came from that, from those recordings, and uh, and John Peel playing them on his uh, his radio program. Uh, you heard Susie and the Banshees in there also, the 1978 single Hong Kong Garden. And at the top of the set, down in the tube station at midnight from the, the 1978 album All Mod Cons, that was the jam. All right, going back to the UK once again. After this little bit, one of my favorite bands from the punk era. Um, this group joined the Clash on their White Riot tour in 77, and uh, really catapulted them into the public eye. They released a classic album, Cut is the name, from 1979. Coming at you after this little message. You're listening to Radio Free Nashville, WRFN LP Pasquo, right in Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. In the early days, you think of the Pistols, Buzzcocks, class, and, and, and definitely the Slits. They were right in there. As soon as it happened, there were the Slits. With the dub-style backbeats came the riotous reggae of the chaotic and anarchic Slits. The Slits had a very sort of if you, sex pistols kind of look about them in a way. It was kind of, you know, a ripped up, distressed sort of look and very sexy. I used to look at women like the Slits and just thinking, wow, they're fantastic. You know, that album cover where they're covered in mud and you're just thinking, wow, you can be sexy and at the same time, a, a real person. We didn't really feel there were any female bands working in the same area except Patti Smith, who was doing totally her own thing, but, you know, that's who we admired.
how should I have said it? Weymouth. Weymouth. If I'd left it alone the first time, I would have been all right, Tina. Thank you very much. It must be three or four years since Richard began to tell me about this, the music that you people were making. You, you don't like to give it a name, David. No, not really. It's taken you all over the world. Somebody over there said, if I had my chance, I'd, I'd record in England. Another lady said France. Have you been to those two countries? Yeah, we've been to both of those. Were you well received? I thought so. <laughs> Is he always this enthusiastic, Tina? Does he bubble over like this I and mean, just set the world on fire? I guess he's organically shy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write that. Are you a shy person? I'd say so. How do you... How on earth, then, do you get up in front of people and do this? I mean, do you flog yourself into it? Are you not an extrovert? No. I always figure I don't know the people. I get really nervous if there's friends out there. Yeah, I don't like to work in front of anybody I ever know. Has this been going on a long time? Have you been people, have people been making your music together? Were you from the same neighborhood or something like that? Well, we, uh, we're not from the same neighborhood originally, but we live in the same neighborhood now. Where did, where'd you come from? We live in, well, we, we came from uh, all over the United States, Ca California, Southern California, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Baltimore, and Lexington, Kentucky. That's a weird conglomeration of, of different things. I asked a question earlier, you weren't there, and I think Tina... She gave me an answer. I'll go back and check with her. If you were to have your professional dreams come true, what would it be? What would you want to accomplish? It's a tough, heavy, heavy question. No, what, what's, uh, would it be a place to play, a goal to reach? I just think you'd want to feel that you'd affected people. Affected people? Give me that answer you gave me. That was pretty interesting. You remember what it was? Well, it was pretty highfalutin, I guess. Give me the highfalutin answer. Well, we want to make our mark in music history.
1978's this year's model album that's Elvis Costello and the attractions I don't want to go to Chelsea is the track you heard before that new feeling new feeling talking heads off of their their talking heads 77 debut album came out in 77 and starting off the set typical girls from their album cut released in 1979 that's the slits all-girl punk band out of the UK again they open for the clash Joined them on their White Riot tour in 77. They were right in the thick of it. Awesome stuff. I'm Creepy Steve. You're right in Ghost Town. This is the best of 2016. Is that the year we're in still? Yep. 2016. Almost over. Good luck in the new year to everybody. I mean that from my heart. All right. We got some more uh, punk rock girls coming after this short message. You're listening to Radio Free Nashville. Punk also had its own sexual codes. Despite the rubber clothes and the provocative way of dressing, it was mostly very asexual. Sex wasn't really a feature in the punk thing, as far as I, I never really noticed that. I mean, some people were getting their end away, but it wasn't really the thing. You weren't dressing to attract the opposite sex. You were dressing to tell everyone to go fuck themselves, basically. It was a real up yours mentality. As a guy, if you had any intentions other than intellectual or musical one with these girls, they were soon cut short. 
because these women just had this attitude that kind of knocked that out of the arena. You didn't mess with these women. They weren't girly girls. They would stand eye to eye with you and give as good as they got. to believe, Kel, this group came out of Akron, Akron Ohio. Ohio. With the title. <laughs> they rolled out. They came out of there by popular request, wasn't it, Jerry? Uh, yeah, it was pollution. They, yes. yeah. they paid us to quit playing in Akron. Yeah. Are you a man? <laughs> sure they are. These, what do you think, these are space but, cadets? Uh, well, uh, that's an inside thing. <laughs> Jerry, what did, how did Akron take it to Devo? Um... Jerry? Yes. Not like a tire to the road. No. No. What's Hardly there? at all. Hardly at all. We really were paid to quit playing in a club there. They paid us double if we'd only quit. Really? Yeah. Was it a rough town to break in this group? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, everybody would basically fall asleep outside the doors of the clubs because they couldn't quite make it in. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. No violence ever while you were playing. No. No. It, only in Cleveland. Cleveland gave you a bad Cleveland, time? Cleveland's very awake. They throw wine bottles, beer bottles, really well, very far. And is that why you wear the shields, huh? That's how it started. We wore helmets that night. Ah. ah. It was a Halloween, Halloween party. This is the truth. Yeah? This is not funny. It was, it was a Halloween party? Halloween party. Everyone was dressed as uh, Frankensteins, humpbacks, um, ghosts, witches. Yeah. And they were drunk, and they started throwing beer bottles at us. My word. Those, those weren't the critics. No, those were the, uh, the people who, at the parties. Uh -huh. Well, then, in what town did your greatest success come? <laughs> well, I, don't, I can't think of anything greater than that. <laughs> well, I can't either, as a matter of fact. 
this was the first club for punk groups and their followers. We agreed to kick it off on, I think it was New Year's, New Year's Day. It was a, a good place to hang out. And there was also a, a, a punk Rasta interface because um, the DJ at the time was Don Letts. He would play a lot of reggae records that we hadn't had any chance to come across. That gave us a lot of new information. That Rasta punk crossover was like really crucial to the whole scene. It would have been piffle without that, really, because it, yeah, it was something else. Bye. 
From 1979, that's Armageddon Time, the non-album single. And before that, Devo in there. Are we not men? We are Devo, the 1978 debut record from those cats. Uncontrollable Urge was the song. And leading it off, drowning out the big jets with some power. That's action-packed, featuring George Cheeks on vocals. It's a she. Why not? Name yourself, George. And kick ass, why don't you? From 1983, dipping into the 80s, that was from the Mercury Theater on the Air compilation album. Action Packed were short-lived and uh, really made uh, quite the impact in a, in a short period of time. Love that record. Check it out. Action Packed, that's Mercury Theater on the Air. And uh, they also had a follow-up um, called Survival of the Fattest. Two albums, really great stuff. Okay, moving right along, the best of 2016, wrapping up the year with uh, a bunch of tracks and interviews I pulled from uh, throughout the throughout 2016 since uh, late August when I debuted. Check me out, I'm on SoundCloud now. Go to soundcloud.com, search Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. Also on Instagram and Facebook under the same name. All right, these guys out of the UK... I got to uh, go see them. Well, I got to see Andy Gill, the only remaining original member, surrounded by three younger guys. But they really, uh, they really put on a good show. They opened for the uh, the Faint at the Mercy Lounge here in Nashville last October. Short message, and we're getting right into it with Gang of Four. You're right in Ghost Town, listening to Radio Free Nashville. Well, I am very excited to be here today with Andy Gill. Of course, Gang of Four formed in 1977, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of the uh, the climate in Britain at the time. We've interviewed a lot of folks, uh, uh, Steve Diggle from the Buzzcocks, a lot of folks from the kind of classic punk rock era in Britain, and um, you know, 77 was such a crucial year for so many bands forming. Uh, a lot of people got inspired by seeing the Sex Pistols or the Ramones. For you guys back in the day, I mean, what was the, the catalyst that, that sparked the creation of Gang of Four? There was a sort of catalyst for uh, John King and I went to New York in 76 and um, slept on the couches around at Mary Harron's house. Mary Harron is more known now for directing a film called I Shot Andy Warhol and uh, American Psycho. But back then she was, she was a journalist and a writer for both for English papers and for New York music papers and stuff. So she was a brilliant, um, she was a brilliant guide for us. So we were in 76 New York, so she'd be taking us down to CBGB's. And you sort of, you know, standing at the bar, you'd be sort of having a drink with Joe Ramone, John Cale, and, and you thought, God, you know, this is quite extraordinary. And um, 
if they can do it, then we can do it. You know, and it, it was it was that kind of uh, you know, and uh, Patty Smith's band, J.D. Doherty, the drummer, and you know, and Blondie, the Talking Heads, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, yeah, and television, some of television, and and it was that you know, so that kind of thing. Like these are interesting ideas, you know, and they're talking about interesting ideas, and they're having fun while they're doing it, and they're approachable, and this is something that we can do. <laughs> seems to be a lot of confusion amongst rock fans as to exactly what new wave is all about there's one certain form of new wave coming out of the states and another form out of the uk you know what to you are the differences between the two i think there's more influences in uh, the american new wave it's like an assimilation of the last 20 years of radio whereas the english new wave i think it's um new york dolls influenced it seems like you know like the a lot of the new wave 
label has been coined and interpreted through the Sex Pistols, and there's a lot more bands than that, you know, that have other songs that are, you know, not very interesting. Yeah. I think the uh, U.S. New Wave is more a musical reaction than a political or sociological reaction. I think the British New Wave is political. It all stands in the area you're in. Like New York City is basically a media center where everybody gets to uh, grab in everything they've heard in the past number of years, like Clemens said, you know, and radio for the last 20 years and everything and put it together and get their own mixture, you know, have a larger digestive system for it, you know, where in England it's just a reaction from, uh, from the situation and the dull and everything they complain about, you know.
I used to say that we were a rock band just because people wanted me to say that we weren't a rock band. They wanted me to say that we were something more important. So I used to say we're just a rock band. Well, I don't think we are anymore.
Over the Wall, off the 1981 Heaven Up Here LP, that's Echo and the Bunny Men. And you also heard Blondie in there from the 1980 release Auto American. The disco we track Live It Up, super funky. That's New Wave at its finest, folks. And right in there at the top, from 1979's Entertainment album, definitely an inspirational album for punk rockers and rock and rollers to follow. That was Gang of Four. I found that essence rare. Oh yeah, the good stuff. I'm going to stay with you here till the top of the hour. Again, I won't be here next week, so I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you might be celebrating. If you're just celebrating another Sunday, go for it. Do it in style, though. That's all I ask. And then I'll be here uh, the following week um, after uh, Christmas. So if you're this is going to actually repeat on Christmas. So if you're listening today and it's Christmas Day, I will be here next week. But as far as uh, if you're listening today on the 18th of December, I will not be here next week. But you can uh, get your fix from my repeat. Also, check out my SoundCloud, Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. I've got my archives up there. You can listen to all my shows and download them as well. It's the Cocteau Twins coming at you from the 1983 Head Over Heels album. Musette and Drums. You're listening to Radio Free Nashville right in the heart of Ghost Town.
Uh, that's the Chameleon's second skin off the 1983 release Script of the Bridge. And before that, you heard the Cocteau Twins with Musette and Drums. That's from uh, Head Over Heels, released in 1983. All right, I'm going to try and squeeze in a couple more tracks for you here before I get on out. Make sure you stay tuned for RFN Weekend with Matt the Prod Man. You're listening to Radio Free Nashville.
Dead Souls. That's Joy Division. I got one more I'm going to try and squeeze in. Probably have to fade it out early, but here's X-Ray Specs. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me in Ghost Town today. I'm Creepy Steve. Hit you up next time.